0: It's episode 913 of Tips from the Top Floor for mid-August 2022. Tips from the top. From the top floor. Tips from the top. All right, from the top floor. And we're back. I'm Chris, and you're listening to Tips from the Top Floor. TFTTF. Arr, one, two, three, four, five things on this episode. I'm <laughs> these are getting way too long. I'm pre-recording this, um, actually pre-recording this on the 8th of August because I am at this point when you're downloading this, I will be in the middle of the Southern Eastern, no, no, the Southern Eastern, yeah, no, the Eastern Europe photo road trip scouting tour. Again, that does not make a nice acronym. Um, I'm it, in, in the middle of this. This is uh, supposed to be released on the 17th and I will be uh, see probably in Budapest at this time. Um, if you want to follow along, there is a a blog A vlo- vlog, not a blog, A vlog. I'll do a little travel vlog, some videos from the tour on tfttf.com slash scout. tfttf.com slash scout. That uh, redirects to... Um, to a uh, uh, f- YouTube playlist and I'll try to uh, yeah take you with me on that route face fixers we need to talk about face fixers yep fixing faces we are um, of course talking about AI about DALI about photo uh, generators art generators and DALI a while ago uh, well a few weeks ago it went Paid a public, kind of publicish. Um, it went commercial, so you're paying for things you can use them commercially and so on. And also, one thing they they opened up, which wasn't uh, allowed before, was to create photorealistic humans faces, like portraits of people. And um, I think they were they are trying to protect people from fake news and that kind of things. You still can't make photorealistic people off. Uh, celebrities they seem to have a list somewhere so yeah that's uh, that's that's or maybe dolly just can't do it and they, <laughs> they, they, they tell you that you're not allowed to anyway so uh yeah photorealistic people the the, the artwork for this episode um is from is made with dolly um a very very grainy gritty photo but that's my prompt that's how i wanted this to be this person does not exist Now, there are some issues with creating photorealistic people in Dali. And um, I mean, this is nothing new. Photorealistic people generated by an AI have been around for a while. If you go to thispersondoesnotexist.com, then you get some really decent portraits of people that have never existed. And uh, and those are kind of random. But with Dali, you you can get something that's a bit more specific based on your prompts. And uh, that's fine and nice and everything, but Dali isn't perfect, and uh, sometimes you will get artifacts in those portraits. Well, not sometimes. Fair, uh, fairly often, you'll get artifacts in his portraits, where like the eyes are a bit strange, maybe not very symmetrical, and that it's a kind of a, a dead giveaway that this is not a real photo because people t- typically don't look that way. So what to do well face fixers to rescue there is a whole little cottage industry of uh, software that has been done kind of as of a secondary stage after those art generators to fix faces there's if i found a little a little reddit thread about exactly that and um yeah you can fix faces by uh, automatically, and it does work relatively well. Sometimes it's a bit too strong, but um, yeah. So, if you're playing with Dali, if you have access to the PEDA and your faces look wonky, um, that might be a, a place to look, uh, at least to get some some help. Not perfect, but sometimes better than. And, and I, I assume that uh, Dali and and uh, others will sooner or later fix that problem, but at this point. It is not quite fixed yet. That's probably why they're in beta. Uh, next up, a little story. <laughs> this, okay, this was, this is, wow. Photography is, or an, an important aspect of photography for me is storytelling. Right, You want to tell a story about um, what's in the photo, or even better, you're not the storyteller. The people that consume the photo tell their own story about it the story happens in the viewer's mind and this is a story about that and it's it's interesting because it has meta levels above above levels above levels um this is about a an article in a german uh, publication called zeit and uh, the article is about a german politician who had just had a bit of a scandal regarding uh, his the way he he interacted with parts of the German auto industry, specifically the CEO of Porsche. And there's there one of these politics things that... Uh, yeah, I'm not happy about this, but... Uh, uh, so, anyway, he he was... Uh, or, or it is... Alleged that he's in bed with the auto industry. Um, wow, surprise! And uh, the the German paper Zeit ran a story about this scandal. And what they did is um, they worked hand in hand. Last week I talked about how different people write the headlines from people who who write the article. Uh, in this case, it was uh, it was a very good collaboration. So the article I linked it in the show notes or a screenshot of it, and I I. I saw this photo and my first instinct was oh that's that that got in there accidentally because you see a picture of the politician in question he's completely out of focus um and the focus is on the shelf in his back that has a little model car on it and that little model car is a a Porsche so it, that's the first. That's the first uh, thing. The focus is on the Porsche, and the politician is out of focus. And the headline of the article is "Auto focus, "Auto dash Focus," which, again, so so we have a photographer who's focusing the camera not on the politician but on the car, which is a Porsche. The article talks about auto focus, meaning several things at the same time of course of autofocus as in the camera's autofocus which in this case focused on the auto on the car and uh, but then of course the the politician has his focus on the car industry so there is some autofocus there and it's it's wonderful it's wonderful because it it prompts you to look at the article because of how weird it looks that the person is out of focus it's unusual and then it, it has all these different Sub meaning levels. It's yeah, a, a brilliant, brilliant storytelling. Well done, Zeit. Well done, uh, photographer whose name I forgot. It really, it's brilliant. It is so brilliant. So if you can check the link in the show notes and and check out the photo. Okay, one more thing about well, photography more more film than photography, and with film I mean I mean movies. Um, this is. This is about like some countries, some countries movies are that movies that are, well, no, in some countries that don't have English as the main language, sometimes the movies are subtitled, right? Um, Sweden, good example. Uh, The Netherlands, good example. In some other countries like Germany, for example, they dub the movies to the local language. And uh, Germany has little industry doing that. And most Germans seem to be fine with that, but then some people, including myself, uh, find that really jarring. Because like either the lip sync isn't perfect, and I do notice these things, um, or the voice doesn't fit the actor, or I know the original voice of the actor, and that uh, that throws me, or or the voice performance doesn't feel right. You know, there's, there's so many things that I don't like about things being dubbed. Um but there's a new method to dub movies that works a bit differently and that's an AI-based method or an AI-supported method. Um what we're looking at and watch the video in the in the uh, in the link in the show notes um starts at about 3 minutes in. Um and it's about a movie called The Champion. And uh that movie they for for the first time ever they used the technique to change the, the 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 language while keeping everything in sync so the the actor is being uh, not just the audio is being resynced but the video is changed to change the motion of the mouth the face the expression and I mean, you know, different languages. The same, the same sentence in different languages might be a different length and lengths, and, the, and so on, which is kind of part of the problem here. Uh, why dubbing doesn't really work. So this, this is this is flawless, pretty much flawless. You see that actor speaking the same thing, and 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 they speak it in that language, and the, everything is is a good fit now. That means we that means that same movie now exists as separate, completely separate versions because of separate performances for the different languages. And my my utopian side says, Wow, this is amazing. This I'm I'm totally a fan of that. But then there's my my dystopian side <laughs> that goes, Wow, there's so much potential for like a, a whole new fake news quality here uh yeah so anyway i'm 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 curious if that new technology if that will lead to like a lot of old films being redubbed in a much better way Uh, i don't know how expensive and how how much work this technique is but they are also turning older movies into 3d uh, after after the fact without them having been shot in 3d so This is interesting, very interesting, Um, mind-blowing, simply mind-blowing. Another thing that is mind-blowing, well, AI. (laughs) Again, he talks about AI. And uh, so I'll link an article by Ash Jafari. He's an investor. He is deep into the weeds of AI and especially um, what that might mean for jobs in the future so we are we're looking at we're looking at things like Dolly that you can now use commercially, and as it's improving and it will improve, you will see more and more more and more businesses wonder if they want to if they want to pay a graphic designer or photographer for let's say three hours of work or or instead just write a prompt and iterate a couple of times over that prompt and end up with a good enough result for their purposes. And that and, and it taking minutes instead of or a, a few dollars instead of whatever you'd pay someone to do a few hours of work. And uh Ash Jafari in his uh article makes a makes a very convincing point that we will see those i would call them tipping points sooner rather than later so i don't want to be too dystopian because i think there's still things that an ai is not going to be able to do um even in 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 years to come but it is interesting and 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 his his the order of things interestingly enough that he thinks things will happen and we're seeing the first glimpse of that with uh, GPT 3 which is a a language model which can write, and uh, Dali, which is a image model that can create art. Um, and the order of things,, uh, according to Ashafari, is the first jobs that will go or at least partially go are creative jobs like well, graphic design, photography, at least stock photography, writing, software development. Um, and initially, it will be just a, a certain amount of that being replaced by AIs, but it it's bound to improve. It Everything becomes better. Look at the first uh, smartphones and then look at what we have now. I mean, it's just a matter of time and, and putting more resources into it. And that is what's happening right now, left and right. And then the next level... Uh, according to Ash Jafari, is professional jobs like accountants or lawyers Let's see contracts that kind of stuff um, project managers um, that's kind of the next wave and then last the, the last things that will change are jobs that require movement dexterity with your hands and arms and legs and things like that because that is still very very difficult now Again, interesting uh, interesting discussion here, especially when you hear the usual objections, and the article goes into those objections as well. Uh, the objection number one would be, but the AI lacks the human touch. What about the human touch and perspective? And, and many would argue that Dali is showing brief glimpses of perspective and uh, certainly a lot of ingenuity. A lot of extrapolation of what's already there, and uh, things that were considered impossible are, are beginning to become possible. Um, just look at the the artwork for this for this podcast episode. The uh, the AI does understand things, or at least it can reproduce things like the physics of sunlight and uh, light shining on people's faces, or um, well. well just just look through photos uh, in in air quotes photos generated by these ais and um, second objection is uh, that the ai is is complementary and will allow humans to focus on high value work and uh, the objection goes like this ai will just automate my low value tasks that will free up my time to do more high value work for my company and it does sound quite reasonable, and uh, we've had a lot of tools in the past that were that were uh, automating simple things that we didn't like doing anyway. But that situation only works up to the point where the company has enough work f- to go around. You know, for developers, I mean, there's a gap in the market for designers. That gap is uh, is relatively small. Um, yeah, and we and we and we see and, and as we see those things inch into lots of different areas, even even the reskilling does probably only go a certain uh, a certain amount of <clears throat> a certain amount of uh, of the way. Third objection: AI improvements will hit a ceiling. That is one of uh, the things that gets pointed out that th- those things will hit a ceiling, and that is far beneath the level of human capability um and that could possibly be that could happen but it is not very likely to happen because what we're seeing with all the large language ai models um they have shown no signs of slowing down in terms of performance improvements um there's the hardware improvements are 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 tremendous and the the AI, the, the machine learning models seem to scale really well with more resources. So throw more resources at things is, in terms of data sets, in terms of compute power, and you end up with more output and better output. So question is, will that stop before human level performance or not? I don't know. No one knows right now. And then, yeah, the reskilling things. The 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 objection number four is, well, the, us humans, we can reskill into jobs that... Uh, yeah, other jobs, which is a good point. You know, you like I see this right now with things like Dolly. Um, there's a skill adapt- adaptation going on from visual uh, composition to uh, to language composition. You sh- you learn to write prompts, and that is a no totally new skill that you can use to to get to the point of your of your pictures. But the question is, can we reskill millions of people faster than AI can learn those new jobs? I mean, think of, okay, I'm a photographer. I'll, I'll just re- I relearn. I'll go, I'll move into writing. But then there's a, AI that's already doing some of the writing. So will you be able to be good enough to be better than that? So big, big questions. Big big questions, and no idea how fast all these things are gonna happen, but we do see of the first glimpses with things like DALI with things like GPT three, so yeah. Possibly, maybe I should, <laughs> should rush. I should go into into craftsmanship and start making pottery or things made from wood. Stuff that the AIs are are gonna be slower at mastering over time. Possibly, possibly the way to go, well, or or film photography and uh and make my own emulsions and develop my own film. <laughs> All right, last but not least, um, something more positive, something nicer to to take you uh to the end of the show, back in the nineties, back in the nineties, the small sensor. DV cameras you might have had a camcorder like a home camcorder thing um, they had an issue that the that all small sensor cameras have and that is too much depth of field the DV footage always looked very crisp over crisp and uh, what a lot of people wanted was more shallow depth of field the 35 millimeter the full frame format that is the basis for a lot of uh, cinematic productions and that only happened when the DSLRs came along and started uh, with the 5D Mark II and the, and the Nikon D90. Um, when they enabled filming on bigger sensors, that 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 was that was a big that was a game changer. I made a video um, back then that I called "Game Changer." Uh, but but then before that, with the DV sensors, there were several adapters on the market that allowed. 35 millimeter lenses to be used on DV cameras, and what they did is they pretty much projected that picture on a on a little screen, and that screen was then filmed by the DV camera, and this way you get uh, the, the the shallow depth of field of 35 millimeter format, and that was that was a very very feasible solution. Not cheap, very um, a bit clunky, but it worked quite well now here is a diy project that recently came across my timelines and that is that's that's doing something very similar but on a totally new level it is um diy perks a youtube channel who does like crafts projects or maker style projects and what he does is he um, creates a projection system to film off with another camera that is based on an episcope lens. Have you had an episcope back at school? Depending on your age, you might have. Your teachers might have used an episcope. An episcope is a is a projection system. It's like an overhead projector with a with the slides on them. Um, but it you could project pages from a book straight from the book um, onto the wall and. To, in order to make that possible, those episcope lenses are amazingly bright lenses, very big optics, very sharp and bright optics. And uh, so what uh, what the guy does is he takes one of those lenses and he builds a, a projection box that takes the focal length, which is, I don't know, four or 500 millimeters or longer, Um, and projects that these lenses project an amazingly big image circle so we're talking like a 50 centimeter image circle so that one projects uh, onto a screen inside a box and what you get is you get uh, visuals that you that are fairly impossible to get any other way we're talking about the shallowest depth of field that you've seen um, and it looks just amazingly good and, and weird because you don't expect that kind of a depth of field in your photography. And because it's a projection on a screen and then filmed from the other side of the screen, you can even use a smartphone to capture these things. Um, it's it's a fun little uh, project, not very little, to be honest, because it, uh, it has like these pyramid-shaped... Uh, bellows kind of things with the bellows in the middle to be able to focus and so on it's a very involved kind of thing but hey that is a fun little project i keep saying little it's not little at all anyway the episcope lens becoming a super large format camera that you can use with any other camera so if you are inclined to build your own stuff um check that out it was a lot of fun. You won't talk about it. And that was it for this episode of Tips from the Top Floor. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being subscribed. And uh, don't forget to leave feedback. You can do so at tfttf.com slash hi tfttf.com slash hi and that of course includes you writing feedback, you're recording your voice, a little voicemail or attaching a file for me. Go to tfttf.com slash hi. You can follow Tips from the Top Floor on Twitter at tfttfphoto and as always, if you can, please support the show at Patreon. Your continued support makes a huge difference. That's tfttf.com slash Patreon. tfttf.com slash Patreon. Thank you so much. Now go out and take amazing photos. Be super extra nice to each other. And of course, happy shooting.